Valley. How are you? Where are you? Or, as we say around these parts, como esta, onde esta? Well, Baden, I am very well. Thank you very much. And we are sitting in the campsite at Amarant on the banks of the River Tamaga. So we're, um, I'm not sure that we can call them rest days anymore because we, we literally cycle one day and then just chill out for one day. But we're here having a day off the bike um, in this quite strange campsite. It's, in, um, it's on sort of quite a steep-sided hill and uh, the whole thing is terraced and sort of cascades down towards the riverbank. So um, there's all these different levels and little walkways and stairways and it's quite cool actually. So And it's very nice and shady. So and it only cost eight euros. Yeah, very cheap, very cheap. Welcome to the How Are You, Where Are You podcast, um, an audio travelogue of our adventures by bike. Um, So just I thought we'd do a quick intro this time. Baden and I have been living in London for seven years. um, So And we started planning a bit of a strategic exit by bike a little while ago. So what we're doing is we are moving back to New Zealand, but we are going to take 18 months to do it and are cycling via Western Europe, Central and South America. And we should be home by Christmas 2016. We interrupt this broadcast for a breaking news live edition. And the breaking news is we are about 50 metres from Portugal. We're about to head into Portugal. We were going down to uh, a place called Agada, where we're going to cross over over this river Minho on the ferry. But as it luck would have it, the ferry's broken today. Uh, So... We had to uh, rock up the road here, maybe 12k or something. It was into the into a really warm headwind. It's about 30 degrees right now, but it's all been made worthwhile because we are standing on the Puente de Amistad, which means the friendship bridge. <laughs> it was built in 2004 uh, between uh, Spain and Portugal to symbolise their friendship, and also because people were probably sick of the ferry bloody not working down at the bottom of the river. So, uh, and the other weird thing. So what's happened is we've kind of behind time now. We've got to get to our campsite in Viana do Castelo. But, uh, and since we had to cycle all this way up the road, we're thinking, crikey, we're going to be pretty late. But magically, in 50 metres time, when we uh, cross over to the middle of the river, which signifies the border, the clocks will change. They will go back an hour, magically <laughs> go back an hour to British summertime. Okay. So... <laughs> So uh, we've been saved by the time, and now our new adventure is set to start in the land of Portugal. Okay, so that's when we arrived in Portugal about, I don't know, six days, just under a week ago. So we've been here for a little while, and I think that we're starting to get an idea of what Portugal is about. And I have to say, I really hadn't thought much about Portugal before we got here. And when we arrived, I realized I didn't really know much about the country at all. Yeah, we kind of thought that once we get to Portugal, we'll be sort of having to get go at breakneck speed to get down to Lisbon um, for uh, Shelley's flight back to London for her exams. So we we never really thought much about it. I mean, we had a route planned out, and it was we didn't really know what we were expecting to see along the way. But when we <laughs> were sort of got to the end of Santiago, got to the end of the Santiago uh, Camino, and we thought, okay, where do we? What do we do now? We've got more than a month in order to get down to Lisbon. Uh, 
we've got to sort of change up the way that we're traveling, change up I, our style of travel. Also, I didn't actually realize that Portugal was such a small country. Yeah, because I don't know how long. How long is it? How how many k's have we got to ride here to get from the top to the bottom? Well, originally I had sort of thought seven hundred k, and when we when that that's not to get to the bottom. That's just to get from the north down to Lisbon, but uh, the Camino was around eight hundred k, and that only took us two weeks. Yeah. So we've got a uh, not so much um, a lot of time with not so much space to cover. So. Already we've spent a week right up in the north in the Minho uh, region of uh, Portugal. And we're now dropped down into the, I guess it's the Douro region. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we, we <laughs> it's kind of changed things up completely. We just had r- one rest day off a week. But already uh, we've had how many rest days this week? I don't know. This is our second. And we're having another one tomorrow. So yeah, so <laughs> I think I think what's happening is that we we are having to think a little bit differently about the trip because suddenly instead of having to kind of move every day, we have so much more time that it's changing the completely changing the dynamic of the trip and it leaves a lot more time for kind of questioning what are we doing? Where do we want to go? What do we want to see? And it's almost that thing that because you have more time, you have more choice. And therefore, suddenly you're kind of dithering around and trying to figure out what you want to do because there's so much more opportunity cost. If we go this way, we can't go that way. And then if we want to see that, we can't go and see that. So I think it makes it, there's a lot more room for doubt now. That's how I feel. And and I don't think we can call them rest days anymore because... You know, because the change—it's—it's it's changed. The trip's changed, so now we have so much time that the these aren't rest days. They're just days. But they're kind of vacation days. Yeah, yeah, extended travel days. It's when you actually see, you know, explore the places. We've only been exploring the places in between, and now we're getting a chance to explore the destinations more. And I think maybe that's what we're going to be about when we head over to Central America. We've just got so much more time ahead ahead of us. No deadlines. Yeah, yeah. I think at the moment it's just like a, it's kind of a period of transition. So we're just sort of feeling our way and figuring it out. And we've got a bit of a plan that we're going to try to do um, very short days. So we're going to try and do kind of 30, 30 to 40k days and sort of just hop, do little small hops along the way. So because it, it is quite motivating when you have to get up every day and get sword and get on the bike. It gives you a feeling of purpose. It's quite nice. And also it's fun, obviously, to ride along and see things. Um, but equally, we don't need to be clocking up 70Ks a day. So I think that that will be, I think that will be worth trying. I don't know what it will be like, but we'll give it a go. That's how much time we have. We can try all these different approaches. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I, I think we'll probably end up having so much fun here that and, you know, we will have to rush our way down to yeah. Lisbon been all of yeah, a sudden yeah. but uh, no there's so much to see and do I'm really liking Portugal so far it's yeah it's like as soon as we finished the Camino and went on to this next leg of the trip the change was immediate so it was we got up we started cycling and suddenly we could see the water we were at the coast and it got hotter like almost overnight it felt so much hotter it was up into the 30s um, so yeah it, you could and the, the the plant life changed there were lots of cactuses around and we've been seeing cabbage trees which is actually a native New Zealand plant that's been brought in over here to Portugal. Yeah, um, and eucalyptus trees yeah, from loads. Australia, and they actually are from Australia. We've uh, had confirmed by our resident uh, plant expert, uh, Manuel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're, one of our hosts that we stayed with um, is an expert in the way that plants are distributed around the world. So we got to ask him a whole lot of questions. Um, and obviously now that we've been here for almost a week, we are starting to pick up some Portuguese, which I'm quite pleased about because I was, I was a bit nervous about it. It's so, It sounds so weird compared to Spanish to me. 
Yeah, I know, and we kind of went into our shells a little bit at the start, and but now I think we're feeling more confident with just sort of going up and you know trying it out. Really, I mean, I've, I'm on to level three now on Duolingo for Portuguese, but already I think I'm just picking up more by talking with people. Yeah. You know, we're hanging out more with Portuguese people on this on this leg of the trip so far. So we're just asking them constant questions. What's the word for this? What's the word for that? And also, if you're in doubt. Um, <laughs> if you're in doubt to speak in Spanish but it's quite funny too at the supermarket um, asking them to gut the fish <laughs> I have no idea how to say that so I just sort of like mimed slitting open my stomach and then they're like oh yeah okay yeah I'll go <laughs> that's exactly what you do and then they just go behind and they take out the guts of the fish and get it all washed it up all ready for you so that's really great um, so on along the Camino in Spain we only stayed with um, one Spanish host and that was right at the start in Pamplona but um, we've kind of cracked back into the warm showers circuit in Portugal, which has been amazing. I mean, our first night in Portugal, um, we stayed at a campsite in, where were we? Viana do Costello. And oh, what a weird campsite it was. The, the tourist officer, yeah, if you just go over the bridge and then head down towards the beach, you'll see camping. And um, we, the first sort of campsite we pulled into... I was down the sort of creepy road, and there were these two big dogs standing in the middle of the road. And we're like, oh no, we're going to get like attacked here. And then uh, th- those dogs sort of cleared off. They looked stray. They were all like manky. Yeah, it wasn't good. And then uh, we came to the gates, and it just looked closed. And then this guy sort of appeared in the office, and uh, <laughs> uh, he's like, what did he say? He said, um, we said, oh, um, can we camp here? And he was like, do you want to? We're like, <laughs> that's right. And we're like, yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and uh, it turns out no one was at this campsite, yeah. and it was it was a bit creepy, wasn't it? And um, so we sort of plonked ourselves down and thought, okay, let's make the best of this. And I got on my bike to go and find the beach. And uh, when I was going down the track, I could see across the fence, this barbed wire, tall barbed wire fence, was this really nice looking campground. And all the all the camper fans were there. There were people tenting. And I'm like, we're in the wrong campground. There was... <laughs> we were like in the old ghost campground and it was had all these pine trees so it was quite dark and there was a thick carpet of crunchy pine needles underfoot and there was also this really freaky ablutions block that looks like something from some kind of mental institution from about 30 years ago. Yeah. All the male toilet doors were punched in, they had punch <laughs> holes in them. It looked like uh, my mate Rob Marson had been there. <laughs> So I was genuinely creeped out. Like I, and so about three separate occasions, we were like, let's pack up. Let's just go to the other one. Um, but we thought, no, we should harden up. We should stay. It was cheap as well as only 10 euros or something. Mm. So so we stayed and it ended up being actually quite nice, didn't it? Yeah, once we, we had, we probably had our best campsite meal that night yeah. uh, from a bit of an experimental dinner, which just worked out really uh, More great. on that later in the podcast. <laughs> but as I said, um, we did, we have stayed with a couple more um, hosts and, and the two, two people where, where were we we were in Prado yeah Prado uh, Villa do Prado and in Guimarães oh, yes yeah so it's been really good we we've been able to ask loads of questions because obviously when you're riding along you see things and you think why is it like that what's that about why do they do this mm. so it's a such a relief to again be able to ask people yeah and the best thing was is that you know I showed um I showed them my uh, the map we had made of where we we're probably going to go in Portugal They're, oh don't go there you know this year it's not very 
very pretty. There's nothing to see. Now go cycle along the Juro. And we're like, oh, okay. And so I was kind of, we just thought, let's open ourselves up and we'll just go where people tell us. And that's you what were we... absolutely grilling them. You're like, okay, that's really nice. Back to the route. Like, yeah. Back to where you think we should go. Because <laughs> this is the safety, you know, the, the safety mode is just following the route. Mm. But, you know, when you get the local knowledge in there, um, it, it makes such a difference. Mm. And, you know, we had that in the last couple of days, you know, our um, hosts in uh, Gimaraj said, take this old rail trail to Fafe or Faf, and then um, you have to go in this hellish sort of ride over the hills, and you get to another uh, cycle route, which is an old rail line, and take that. And they worked out to be fantastic rides, didn't they? So, yeah. And I think that this is the way we've got to operate, you know, listen to what the locals are saying and just try and take as much of their advice in as we can manage. Yeah, and and our last host, um, Elena, she was telling us about these certain kinds of um, sweets and pastries and foods that you could get here in Amarant. And so when we arrived, we gave, sent her a quick text to say oh, we arrived safely in case she was worried, uh, which I'm sure she wasn't. And then she texted back and said, oh, that's great news. Don't forget to try X, Y, and Z. So straight away we went back up to the to a bakery and asked for all of those things. Yeah, well, when we actually read the text message, we were actually already sitting in that bakery. Mm, mm. And so I... Um, We'd already had one of the pastries. There were these egg pastries. They were really interesting. Very rich. Very rich tasting. Like the in the, the inside of the pastry was essentially um, some sort of mixture made from just egg yolk. Yeah. You don't really get that in baking so much. But man, these were delicious. But I had uh, Elena's text message and I just took it to the uh, staff. I said, I need these. <laughs> She took me over to the case. She took me over to the pastry case and said, oh, "Well, this is this one. This is this one. We had already had one of them." Oh, okay, yeah. And so I said, oh, "We'll have two more of each of those." <laughs> but the bakeries here are a step up. More on that later on the podcast. <laughs> and uh, Elena and Manuel happen to be going to that concert, which uh, we, yeah. we've been getting into a bit of high culture now, aren't we? I mean, you know, two grubby cycle tourists. We we got on our uh, slap up outfit, which is basically. <laughs> Our trousers. I still wore a t-shirt. I think I just put a bit of deodorant on, and uh, <laughs> we uh, we went back to uh, Braga by car, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and yeah, sort of had a strange cultural experience at the church. Yeah, so they invited us along. They were going anyway because um, one of Elena's friends has organised all these concerts. It's an organ festival and the um, church in Braga is uh, the oldest in Portugal. Um, so it's a very special place and it has two big old organs that were built in about 1730. Um, and the major special reason that uh, Manuel and Elena were going was that both organs were going to be played together and that's something that they had never seen before. Four, and they're both from that town um, or nearby. Um, so yeah, so they invited us along. So we, we went and had dinner at a, a quite traditional um, Portuguese, well, restaurant. It was kind of like a pie shop, basically, the Portuguese equivalent of a pie shop, yeah. um, which was really, really cool. And, and it was built Roman. over, yeah, built over these Roman ruins um, that you could see through the floor. Um, and then we headed along to the church and everyone was gathering outside of the church. Um, they had the doors closed and there was quite a mob of people getting together. And some people were quite, dressed quite nicely. So we felt quite scruffy, but I don't, I don't think it mattered at all. No. Um, and then eventually the doors opened and everyone kind of surged into the church and, and took <laughs> their seats. And, yeah, people were really excited and took their seats in the pews and um, we found a spot and I walked in without even looking up and um, it wasn't until we were sitting down and I looked back that I saw the organs 
whoa, these pipe organs are huge and just baroque and beautiful. Uh, and I uh, at that point got quite excited. Actually, the day before we'd been in Braga, remember, and we hadn't gone into the cathedral because they were charging yeah. and were cheap. Um, <laughs> but we could hear the pipe organs being played and they were obviously practicing. We didn't know at that time for this particular concert. Mm, I thought it was... You know, I, I don't really get into organ music as, you know, I don't really have any organ music on my iPod or Spotify playlists. But uh, this was cool, man. Like, firstly, they had the two blokes, they're both from uh, Zaragoza in Spain, and they were um, uh, playing on the same organ together. This this organ had uh, wooden keys or wooden capped keys. It was uh, pretty ancient from... 17th century yeah, 1700s 1700s yeah. and um, and then uh, yeah these two guys with little chubby hands yeah apparently um, if you played the organ you got to have chubby hands uh, or maybe you you turn up at piano lessons with um, chubby hands and they say oh no no you, you can't play piano you need slender hands for that Go to the organ. No, I think it's because of the, the kind of music you, they were playing that their hands get all muscly and chubby. I don't know. They were very chubby, though. Yeah. So yeah. you had four ch- uh, four chubby hands all on the one keyboard. <laughs> yeah. And so that was really great. And then uh, and then they swapped back to back onto the other side of the sort of altar thing where the... Um, where the organs were, and then they, yeah, were kind Tied of dueling it out. I mean, yeah. I've seen dueling banjos, but never dueling organs. <laughs> anyway, finally we get to the end of the concert. It was very impressive, and then they both came down for a big round of applause. They were so tiny, weren't they? Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but apparently, <laughs> well, Manuel was sort of joking that he had to only be 1.5 metres or something <laughs> to, fit to actually fit in the sort of the, the area where the organs could be played. So maybe that was the... Uh, <laughs> That was the re- the prerequisite for height. They're also sweating up a storm when they came down too. It was, yeah, it looked like it was hard work. Yeah, oh no, that was really great. And then the next day, um, well, no, earlier that day, we're in uh, hanging out in Guimarães for the day, and that's a sort of one of these uh, archaeological Disneyland type places where busloads of people uh, arrive on a daily basis. It's a UNESCO. Um, World Heritage Heritage site and formerly a European capital of culture, and you can see why the streets are beautiful, lovely squares, and uh, tiles on the roofs, tiles on the side of the buildings. It's so pretty. So there's a a big rivalry between Braga and Guimarães about you know who's got a better city. So Guimarães has the oldest castle in Portugal. Braga has the oldest church in Portugal. Baden, which is your favourite? (laughs) <laughs> well, when I was in, when we were in Braga, I kind of, my picture of Braga in my head of not knowing anything about it, judging just by the name Braga, I thought, oh yeah, it's got to be quite industrial. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, that was my sort of thought that mm. it would be. And also the roads were quite busy going in. I thought, oh, it's just kind of like a busy city. But when you get up into the old town, it was really pretty. And, you know, I was going, Braga, you got it going on. <laughs> But um, oh, so many things to take photos of. It was so lovely. And then yeah. we go to Guimarães, and it's more, a bit more quaint. Yeah. And um, those two squares, the Plaza de Santiago and the Plaza de Oliveira, they yeah. were amazing. Yes, yeah. It's just so Guimarães started winning over at that point, and then we had an extra day in Guimarães, so we could um, you know, check out some of the handicrafts and you know a lot of um, you know, different art forms there. Um, um, this woman we met at dinner, Katarina, she um, makes pottery 
and what are what are those jugs called that you lovers gift or something gift yeah, jars yeah yeah um really intricate sort of stuff and you know i'm a man of culture i was very much appreciating this sort of thing <laughs> and you were loving the embroidery it was loving the embroidery <laughs> well you know I'm a bit of a cross-stitch fan. They have like a really specific kind of embroidery just oh, for that town. Not cross-stitch. Not yeah. cross-stitch, no. No, that's different. Yeah, so it was really interesting uh, getting a bit more of an insight into a town and spending a bit more. And we're looking forward to kind of doing that more as time goes on. Welcome to Viana del Castello for another What's in the Pot live special. Today, we are working on an entree. Now, I said to Shelley today that what we need here is uh, to have some fish today. What, what what did you say? You wanted uh, potatoes? I wanted boiled potato and broccoli with a packet cheese sauce. And I said, Shelly, we are in Portugal. We, now, you don't eat that sort of stuff here. And also, it's bloody 30 degrees. We need something uh, fishy. Okay. So I went to the supermarket and I ordered some... Uh, what do they call it on the bag over here? Vidinho. Now, I'm guessing these are sardines. They only cost 29 cents. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So... Okay, they look pretty good. Yeah, they, they look... It's the first time... We haven't had much success frying stuff on the stove before, so... Uh, we are giving this a real good crack today. Okay, right. So, now, I'll squeeze the lemon, shall I? Yeah. Yeah? So, we've just put them into the uh, do doggy bowls. Squeeze, squeezing some uh, lemon over it. Okay. And um, shall I try it? Yeah. Don't forget we'll be enjoying a glass of this fine wine. Yeah, let's uh, let's get to that in a sec. Okay, so I believe these are sardines. <laughs> cooked fresh. The lady gutted them for me at the fish stand, so it was a uh, pretty good service. Okay. And let's see how they taste. They look quite well cooked. Oh my god. You haven't even put salt and pepper on them yet. Oh my god, these are yum. We should have um, bought way more of these when I saw they were only 29 cents. Yeah. Uh, we sure could have. want a little grind of salt and pepper. Yeah, yeah. Give it a bit of a grind. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Uh, there we go. There, there we go. Yeah. All right. Okay. It's mm. pretty good. Mm. It's really good. Beware of the bones when you have yours. Okay. Now, uh, we're also having a wine uh, with this meal tonight. Yeah. Now, I this is. We came to Portugal, and um, I did a little bit of research before we came. And in the north here, they have their own wine. It's called Vinho Verde, which means green wine. That sounds terrible. <laughs> well, the I, um, it could taste terrible. Who knows? When I went over to um, open up the bottle, we don't have a corkscrew yet, believe it or not. Day 53 or whatever we are of traveling, we don't have a corkscrew. So It's a good conversation start. We're at this creepy campsite. Um, and there's only one other person at this campsite and I had to bike right over to the other side of the camp and I saw him sort of cleaning the front of his tent awning. Can I uh, please uh, borrow your corkscrew? And um, so we came out. Oh, he, the corkscrew was rusted. Like everything in this campground. Yeah. So I uh, you know, got the corkscrew, got, got the uh, thing out and he looked at the body and goes, Ugh, fresco, fresco. I was like, uh, yeah, because I think it's new wine. So this is the thing with this Vino Verde. It's only one year old. Try it! Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, the idea is that if you drink it after one year, it's off. So, okay, hopefully right. this is uh, fresh. 
Okay, it's got a little bit of a fizzy sensation there on the back of your tongue. But it's actually... I think I found a date on it, and I think it's the 20th of April 2012. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Throw it away. Uh, surely they wouldn't... No, that's got to be a mistake. I mean... Oh, okay, well, uh, it tastes good, though. Uh, ignore what I said that you've got to drink it within a year. This might be a different bottle. I mean, it's definitely, this is protected. So only, um, it's one of these protected things like champagne. Mm-hmm. And it's only from this particular area where they have it. Okay. So um, I think this has been a success, actually. Sardines and green wine. Whatever you say in Portugal. And a uh, bit of a cracker, actually. Another success. I think from now on, we're going to be frying up a lot more fish on our uh, in our little fry pan, especially while we're here in Portugal. And that's another What's in the Pot live special. Okay, just time for a quick in praise of. And this week I'll go first. I am in praise of Afonso, our Portuguese teacher. We stayed with a wonderful family in Prado. Um, Joao and his family. So Joao, Sonia and Alfonso. Um, and then uh, Joao's sister, Gabriela and Pedro. And their cats. <laughs> and grandfather and uh, father oh, as well. Yes, it yes, was a course. big Portuguese family. Yeah, it was great. We had a wonderful family dinner with them with home-cooked meal. Gabriela is an amazing cook and she made us just the most incredible spread of food. We were so stuffed by the end of it. We we spent some time with Joao's son, um, Alphonse, and he basically taught us a whole load of Portuguese stuff, which was fantastic. He's such a cool little kid. So we jumped in the pool with him, played with him, and, and out of him we got a few little uh, Portuguese lessons. So in praise of Alphonse today. For me, I'm going to be in praise of... Uh, well, I, I knew... You know how we said we didn't really know anything about Portugal? Well... One thing I did know, <laughs> and this is only from visiting bakeries in East London, are these little uh, pastries with uh, cream brulee in them, uh, with sort of the burnt top. Yeah. They're called uh, pastel de natas, or they have um, sort of various other pastiche de something else. Or yes, there, there are other names as we go south, but uh, these things are outstanding and uh first when we arrived at viana do castello i was like i've got to get it i've got to get them and they're only like now in london you could pay one one fifty no pound pound fifty for these little things but here 40 cents is a pretty good price Mm. and they're kind of uh, multi-layered um sort of little pie bases with creme brulee and then the um, glaze on top and they are outstanding i've vowed that i will eat one every day we're in portugal i've managed to keep that vow haven't i wow that's fantastic Baden. Well done. it's uh it's a it's a great achievement and <laughs> there's actually um two of them up in our tent at the moment yeah, that's right. so uh yeah i'll be taking even though i had a very mini one of those today but these things are amazing and it's like we're on a i've kind of we're on a nutter's pilgrimage at the moment so we, we're <laughs> traveling how we've, we've done the camino and now we're on the nutter's Camino. Camino de Natas. Camino de Natas, yeah. And so we're winding our way through Portugal. But when we get to Lisbon, this is where the home is. And they've got the special Natas like uh pilgrimage ending it point the, it was the uh the the birthplace of the nata wasn't it yeah and apparently you can see them being made and 
<laughs> well, I Baden mean, asked uh, a friend of ours, Raul, um, whether or not he'd, he. Well, you said you were going to planning on making them when you got back to New Zealand, and one word from Raul impossible <laughs> well you know i don't know i, I only I, have about a thousand layers of pastry you know tiny thin thin layers no i'm gonna prove raul wrong <laughs> and you now when i get home i'm gonna find someone who can make natas for me <laughs> every single day <laughs> don't look at my mum. hey we'll put a picture of the natas on um on the po- on the blog so you can have a look and see what they look like if you don't know what they are so what's next for us well we are um busy route planning as Baden mentioned earlier in the podcast we've been staying with people and they've been helping us with ideas for what we should do next in Portugal um, given that we have so much time and we are right now in the midst of planning an amazing epic journey along the river Duro. Yeah you may have heard of sort of epic voyages of some of the great travellers as they went down the Nile, uh, went down uh, the Amazon, um, you know, some of these, these great rivers of the world. Well I think the Duro, Duro is one of those great rivers. Mm-hmm. And uh, and some of the oldest vineyards in the world are along this river. Yeah, they've so, been cultivating grapes for 2000 years along there. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to check it out. We we we're, we're in the sort of trying to look at the possibilities of uh, cycling along there and it might involve a little bit of a train journey as well. It's going to be amazing and we're going to follow the Duro right up near its source, maybe not quite. We're actually not there at source, no. It's too far because it goes up. Well, source the Spanish is actually border. in Spain, but yeah. uh, uh, some of, at some of the high points, they've got these old caveman drawings. Apparently, okay. I'm pretty sure they don't refer to them as caveman drawings. <laughs> First people's drawings. I don't know. <laughs> and then now we're kind of follow it all the way down into Porto, and so uh, yeah, we're, this is this is going to be our next. Um, part of the journey and I'm really excited if anyone has ever done this or knows anything about traveling along this river please please get in touch because we need all the tips that we can get mm, yeah the guidebooks <laughs> have been a bit empty in terms of uh, how, how you do this and I'm not sure where we're going to camp I think we're going to have to throw ourselves into the whole wild camping thing or, yeah. or maybe stay at fire stations and things apparently the bomberos the firemen in this country are awesome so yeah we'll, we're going to try and mix things up even more so it's, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it We'd love to know how you are and where you are, so if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that on email, you at gmail.com, or you can post a comment on our blog, howareyouwhereareyou.com, and also on our blog, we've got links for where you can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thank you very much for listening. Big thanks to Callum Campbell for the original music in the podcast, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.